The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome in to the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, it's over. The regular season is over. The college football playoff final four teams were announced today. Conference championship weekend wrapped up yesterday. And there was a lot of drama. There was a lot of suspense surrounding the fourth seed and who would get that last slot into the college football playoff. We now know who the top four teams are, who will be playing for the national championship trophy. And man, what a weekend it was. You and I were both at the SEC championship. We knew that that game was going to determine a lot within who was going to be selected for the top Four teams in all of college football, and it did not disappoint. Well, it disappointed at the end for us personally, but what a football game. What a bunch of drama. Jalen Hurts comes in, saves the day. Georgia blows a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, and man, we have a lot to break down, so let's dive right into it. You had a super busy weekend. You were on the SEC on CBS helping break down the game. That game, Aaron, got the highest rating in seven years of any college football game. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Oh, oh I mean, we, we, we were there. We saw it firsthand. I mean, it was an absolute blast. And once again, Georgia, go back to 2012, up by 11, heading into the fourth quarter, Alabama comes back. Last season, <laughs> up in the national championship, Alabama comes back, wins that game. Up 21 points at one point yesterday. Up, what, 14 in the fourth quarter. Yep. Alabama comes back to win it. Dagger right in the heart. I mean, it was I, – I literally I thought, I thought in, the, in, in the third quarter when Alabama went three and out that first possession, I'm like, this is over. Tua is having the worst performance I've ever seen him. I mean, he looked not, not even good. I mean, he looked awful. Yeah, he looked like he was tight. losing the Heisman. Yeah, he, he, he honestly, he might have lost the Heisman. I mean, it, it's – a lot of people, if they didn't vote, they may have to take a second look and see, you know, against the, the his toughest opponent on the biggest stage. Like I said, he didn't have a good day. I mean, he had an awful day throwing the football on it. And obviously the receivers didn't help. The tight end dropped one. Even the tight end, though, he leads that tight end down the field instead of just throwing it right at him. He catches it in stride and maybe has a chance to score or even get the ball down there inside the 30 or 20. But he didn't look good from that very first possession. First ball was underthrown. Should have thrown it high, back of the end zone. Let his receiver go up there and get it. 
and then the interception and not throwing the ball away. So not to his best performance, um, but gotta love, gotta love Jalen though. I, yeah. I mean, the, how poetic the fact that he gets benched in this stadium against this team and then comes back and gets his revenge and wins the ball game. I mean, Hey, listen, he's not going to be the starter in the playoffs, but great for him. I mean, he is a, uh, he's an Alabama legend. Now I think he's an Alabama legend. Of course. And I'll let you go on a little bit of a, uh, a rant <laughs> if you want to about Kelly Bryant leaving Clemson. Yes. And how much Jalen hurts was a man, a, a teammate, a leader, and uh, the savior of their team in their season right now, getting them the SEC championship. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, first off, Jalen Hurts has been a legend. He won a national championship for Alabama. He was 26-2, and two, played in three national did championship games. Did he, did he win one? Yeah, he beat um, – He oh, Jake Coker beat them, but he was uh, he brought them – sorry – to the national championship against Clemson, lost to Deshaun Watson, brought them back to the national championship against Georgia. Right, he was a legend in his own right, especially with his win-loss record. But, Aaron, he stayed. He stayed this season when he got benched, and then Kelly Bryant left Clemson, and we talked about it at length on the podcast. I was a big proponent of Jalen Hurts staying. He was a teammate. He was a leader. He has integrity. He was finishing the job that he set out to do. Now, after this season, regardless if he transfers or not, that's up to him. But in the thick of battle, he remained a teammate. And when he was called upon, he delivered. There's no doubt he will go down in Alabama lore. They're going to play for a back-to-back national championship this week. But you know what? There's just so much to break down on this game. And we'll address the big elephant in the room um, off the bat, you picked against Georgia, and so did I. I. I said Alabama. I went back and listened to it this morning. I said Alabama was going to win 35-31 to 31 on Thursday's podcast. They obviously won 35-28, to 28, but when you say it on the SEC on CBS, you get a little bit more viewership than we do here on the Punt and Pass podcast. I think you picked 35-24, which, again, was really close to what the final score was. So you and I each picked Alabama scoring 35 points. We were both right. When we talked about the game last week on the podcast, Aaron, I said the first to 30 points wins, and Georgia was sitting at 28. They sent in Rodrigo for a 30-yard field goal. Usually that's a gimme for him, and he just hooked it. I mean, it started left, never was on track. And in the stadium, you really felt the momentum start to shift. And Alabama got their weight underneath them. They could feel their feet. And they just started churning the clock, driving the ball, scoring points. And Georgia just could not seem to get that momentum back. They dominated the entire game, Aaron. They kicked Alabama's ass until the last three minutes of the game. And we'll get to the fake punt here in a second. But we also talked about who was going to punch first. Who was going to throw the first punch in this game? And it started off pretty interesting. Georgia goes three and out, has a bad punt. Alabama has a great return. A couple plays later, two of those an interception. And, man, it was game on from there. You were standing right in front of me, and we were kind of looking back at each other like, well, here we go. This is going to be a four-quarter battle. Oh, it was. It was, an, it was awesome, though. It was a fun game to watch and be a part of. But And that's what we always talk about. And we've talked about in years past when you play – a team like Alabama, it's not – you can't get excited after two quarters. You can't yeah. get excited after three quarters. You can't get excited midway through the fourth quarter. No lead is This safe. is a four-quarter four football team, and, and there's no a one 60-minute fight. There's no one worse than in thinking it's over than my fiance Sharon. She posted a picture <laughs> at halftime, and she said, 
on to the next. Thanks, Alabama. At halftime, <laughs> I'm like, sure. You just had the so biggest fault. jinx of all to- at halftime. <laughs> I mean, how cocky and how many cocktails were in your system that you're up here tweeting out pictures at halftime saying the game's over with? I mean, do you not know? I know you, you struggle sometimes with football knowledge, but do you not know who Alabama is? Come on now. Oh, man. You know, so no we, lead we was gave safe. Her some slack last night. And uh, you have to finish it, though. I mean, this is you can't ever. And I don't think Georgia did. Honestly, I don't think Georgia relaxed. They no. just Alabama just got after him. And really, Jalen and his ability to extend plays with his legs because Tua couldn't move. I mean, Tua from that very first pick, he was gimpy on that knee. Couldn't really get out of the pocket. Jalen comes in there, moves around a little bit, extends the plays, allows his receivers. Because I thought really, and I said it last week, what Georgia needs to do is rush three, rush four, drop seven in coverage, play off, keep everything in front of them, and force Tua to make mistakes. And they did that. I mean, if you watch the film, they're rushing four. They're doing twists and stunts up front. They're dropping everyone back. Tua's getting frustrated because he can't throw bombs down the field. He's forcing balls. Yep. He's just not in any kind of rhythm. So uncharacteristic. That's how you play this team. You don't let them win with the big home run. Keep everything in front. And and everyone's like, oh, they're getting pressure with four. Those were coverage sacks. Those were coverage yes, pressures. I mean, he was holding true. the ball for four or five seconds. No one's open. And like I said, he wasn't healthy. So he couldn't extend the play. And then Georgia did a great job afterwards where Jalen came in there. They had the same game plan defensively, but he had the ability to then get outside the pocket Things broke down, and then the receivers were able to get open down the football field. So that that's that's what really helped that Alabama offense. But I mean, you got to love what Mel Tucker had planned up. I mean, it oh, was beautiful. perfect. Yes, Alabama had some plays, but listen, they're Alabama. They got players on that side of the football. I thought he was masterful in shutting down that offense for the majority of that football game. Then offensively, and I, and I told From after the game too. I'm like, From you. He was so dialed he played, in. He, oh, he played one of the best football games I've ever seen a quarterback play. Pro, college, I don't care. I mean, the throws he was making on that field yesterday, I'm just like, are you? But the one to Miko in the back of the end zone to start the game, and then throw after throw after throw after throw, you're just like, this kid is in a zone right now. It's like uh, Steph Curry out there throwing three pointers. And the baskets, like you know, quadruple the size it is. That's that that's that's the kind of zone Fromm was in during that football game. Yeah, and you could just tell. I mean, his throws were so on point. The way he can just drop it in there, Aaron. I mean, he's not going to wow you with his arm strength or the zip that he has on the ball, but his touch is impeccable. And you could see it when you were inside the stadium. And the offense was just so dialed in. Jim Cheney called a great game, and Alabama just put the clamps down late. We talked about it so much last week, and I got braggadocious about it, which may surprise you. But I said, if Georgia has one advantage, distinct advantage in this game, it's special teams. Georgia has a special teams advantage when it comes to coverage, and they have a special teams advantage when it comes to kicking the football. That would equate to field position, which will help them win the game. You said it to me last Thursday. Jake Camarda is going to have to have a great game. He's going to have to do his job. Pin Alabama inside the 20, and by definition, inside the 20 is the 19 or 18-yard line. Aaron, you're a quarterback. When an offensive coordinator gets the ball at the 20-yard line to start a drive, he has a completely different set of plays that he starts from 
indifference to if he had to start from the 19 or 18 yard line. It makes a huge difference. Jake had a couple of touchbacks, and then, of course, the fake punt in the fourth quarter, which we'll get to here in a minute. Georgia lost the field position battle, which I did not expect to happen, and Rodrigo missed a kick that proved to be pretty important late from a momentum standpoint, and Georgia lost the kicking battle as well. I could not believe it. Now, let's get to the fake punt, all right? A lot is being made about the decision to fake the punt. There were three minutes left. And if you listen to Kirby Smart's quote after the game, he said, we thought we had something. We came here to win the game. We're not going to tie the game. We came here to win the game. Now, off the bat, you can't tie in college football. I think we all know that. But there were three minutes left. It was fourth and 11, Aaron. They were at the 50-yard line. I fully expected, and I've punted a lot in college and in the National Football League. In that situation, 100% of the time, you punt the ball away and you make a backup quarterback, no matter how good he is, a backup quarterback drive 85-plus yards. Have the punter do his job, fair catch inside the 20, put your defense on the field, and make them drive with three minutes left in the game. Georgia goes for it, which shocked me. You would have thought the second coming of Jesus Christ landed in front of me in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I was shell-shocked. I could not believe what I saw. Justin Fields was in the game. They snapped it directly to him. It seemed like it was an option. Ran. Jake Camarda was behind him. He bailed on on that, got swallowed up. No game. It was 4th and 11. Kirby Smart said they were trying to win the game. But, Aaron... Alabama had all three of their timeouts. There was three minutes left. By getting a first down there, you guarantee Georgia absolutely nothing. I don't know why they ran it. I was texting with a couple of NFL special teams coaches. All right, I was texting with them after the game, and I said, was that a terrible call? And they said, no, it was worse than that. I cannot understand why Georgia and Kirby Smart decided to run the fake punt. It was desperate. It seemed like he didn't trust his defense. And to me, that game that gave the game away. You gave Alabama a 50-yard field with three timeouts and three minutes left. Jalen Hurts drove him downfield. They scored, and the game was over. I know Georgia had a shot late in the game with the Hail Mary. That's my rant, Aaron. I don't understand it. I thought for sure I was on the radio in Atlanta on Saturday morning, and I said it. I go, Georgia will not try a fake or a trick play on special teams because they won't need it. And they did it in the most dire part of the game, and I I can't believe it. In situational football, you never, ever do that. Ever. Never. It was – well, first off, and and Kirby was saying I guess the snap was late – so he didn't even take snapped. blame for it. He blamed the players. Well, well, well yeah, he said that I guess the snap should have been late. It was a little late that the guy was actually open. I need to go back and watch the film. That someone I watched was it. open. I didn't see anybody. I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it yet. But, I mean, if that's the case still, though, I mean, you have timeouts. If you're Georgia, if you're a coach and any trick plays. Their whole come, defense was on the field. In my mind, if you're a coach, you're standing right by the ref. If it's not the look you like and, and you don't trust your guys to check out of it, call a timeout. Absolutely. You are the head coach. You got three timeouts in your pocket. Give a little timeout, regroup, and go from there. I mean, why waste it and screw pretty much and give Alabama the opportunity? And listen, Jalen was zoned into. I mean, Jalen was playing really well. Absolutely. But you can't tell me that Jalen, with whatever, two and a half, three minutes to go in that ballgame, would have scored 
with a 90 yard field. Yard, yeah. 90 yards. Absolutely. The field. I, I, I don't know. He, maybe he could, maybe he could, but, and I can tell you as a quarterback, your mindset is completely different. Oh my when God. you look up and you get the ball at the 50 and all you got to get is like 25, 30 yards to get a field goal to win. Yeah. And you look up and you got 80 yards to drive to score and then 60 yards again, the field goal range, your mind is different. It's, it's more protect the football. It's, I got my legs. I can run. You're fine. 80 yards, little different, completely different. You're thinking I got to push the ball vertically down the field and who knows what could have happened. So listen, if the play was there, great, then, then call it, but it wasn't obviously, it wasn't, they call were a timeout safe. or let your guys, they need to check out of it. Absolutely. So the, the call was made, right? Whether it was from, and I'm speaking from my own experience here. I don't know how they do it at Georgia, but from my own experience, when you call a fake on either kickoff or excuse me, punt or field goal, the special teams coordinator calls it, the head coach signs off on it, yes or no, and somebody on the field, I guess it would be Justin Fields in this situation, has a read on the field, whether you're going to do it or not. And if you don't do it, you call Omaha. Omaha means off, right? O and Omaha, O and off. You yell out Omaha, then Jake Camardo would kick the ball. For whatever reason, he didn't call the fake off. They ran it, and it was a disaster. Now, I've run a fake in the National Football League. I ran it when we were with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Aaron. I was the quarterback on the field. It was in New York. We were playing the Giants. If the outside man on field goal block team had his hand in the ground, we were good to go. He had his hand in the ground. We ran the fake. It didn't work out, but that was my key. Mike Tomlin, the head coach at the time, told me, run the fake. So I know I would think for a 95% fact, Kirby Smart said run the fake. Justin Fields either saw the read he wanted and didn't snap it on time or didn't get the right call in and ran it anyways, but Alabama was in punt safe. And when I say punt safe, it means they had their defense on the field. If you wanted to go for it on 4th of 11, keep your offense on the field. Let Jake Fromm spin it. I couldn't understand it, Aaron. I couldn't understand it. It cost Georgia the game. There's no other way around it. And I was so disappointed that Georgia flinched in that moment because at that time, in a heavyweight battle, they were trading blows. Kirby flinched. Saban knocked him out, and Alabama won the game. And Georgia's at home for the college football playoff. That's what happened. And credit to Alabama. Credit to Nick Saban. They won when it mattered most. Over the past two times that they've played, Aaron, Georgia has led for 92% of the game time, and Alabama has won both games. It is a new form of heartbreak for Georgia fans. It is a new form of disappointment, but head up, Georgia fans. I I, I never thought that I would say that we could lose a national championship, turn around, play for to defend an SEC championship, and then settle for a Sugar Bowl and be upset as a fan base. Wow, what a game. I mean, it was so unbelievable. And I guess I'll just close out by saying credit to Alabama, man. They did it again. They're so damn hard to beat. You cannot make desperate situations like that, that backfire, and cause a different outcome when it matters most, Aaron. Yeah, well, hey, listen, credit to Alabama. They, but I tell you what, they were not as impressive no. as I thought they were at and all. Georgia was more weren't. impressive than you expected I mean, they them to be. They were not even close to thinking like this team's untouchable. I mean, you look at this playoff race now, and we'll dive into it. But right now, after watching Alabama, I mean, they are beatable. They are be- This is not 
the big bad Alabama that maybe everyone thought they were heading into this football game. I think every a lot of things were exposed defensively. Things were exposed on their offense, and we know what their special teams is like throughout the season. So right now, I mean, you would if you told me a week ago Alabama Oklahoma, and we're not going to make any predictions yet. I mean, there's still a lot to to, to dive into, but. It's more realistic that Oklahoma, after watching yesterday's game, has a chance to beat Alabama or okay. make it a close game. You, last week, if you asked me that, I say, I would say Alabama would blow them out the water. Yeah. But you look at, at Alabama's defense and their inability to stop the pass all day yesterday. And then what Georgia did, I know Georgia's defense is a lot better than Oklahoma's defense, but I think the, the, the game plan was set, though, of what to do to at least give yourself a chance to stop Tua and to stop their offense. And who knows? I mean, who knows if Tua... And they're saying it's a two-week injury. Who knows how how healthy two is going to be by the time that 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 first bowl or that first playoff game occurs? Yep. I mean, he may not play. He may play and be banged up. He may be very limited. Who knows? I mean, this identity, of this team is a little in in, uh, in flux right now as we get going for this playoff. No, you're totally right. And uh, the playoff is set, Aaron. And it was a lot of controversy, a lot of anticipation to see who would get the fourth seed. Everybody knew when Alabama won yesterday. They were going to be the one seed. They are. Everybody knew when Clemson rolled yesterday that they were going to be the two seed. They are. Everybody expected Notre Dame to be the three seed, even though they sat on their ass yesterday. They are the number three seed. That four spot. Oklahoma beat Texas in a revenge game to claim the Big 12 championship. Ohio State beat Northwestern 45-24 to to win the Big 10 championship. And Georgia obviously battled Alabama and lost by a touchdown in the last minutes of the game to be the most impressive two-loss team. And some would say certainly a top-four team in college football. I saw Kirk Herbstreet say he thought Georgia should move up and be the third spot. I saw Jesse Palmer on ESPN say Georgia should be the fourth spot because based on the definition of the four best teams, they are one of them. I went to bed last night and I said, no, Georgia's not going in and they don't deserve to go in. Sure, they may be one of the four best teams, but they had their chance on Saturday. They had Alabama in between the ropes. They had a chance to deliver a knockout punch and certify themselves into the college football playoff. They messed that opportunity up. And for good reason, they're playing in the Sugar Bowl against Texas. So Oklahoma got the nod over Ohio State. When you looked at the comparables and what the committee looks at, Aaron, it was pretty clear, and you said it last week, if Oklahoma won, they were in, so they are. There is your college football playoff semifinals right there. Alabama will play Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. Clemson will play Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl. I look for Clemson to absolutely throttle Notre Dame. I know we big-time disagree on that one. And I look for Alabama to absolutely throttle Oklahoma, these will not be close games. Oklahoma has no defense. Tua will have a day. Jerry, Judy, Waddle, Harris, Jacobs, they will go wild against Oklahoma. It might be a shootout, but I just don't see Kyler Murray putting up huge numbers. I cannot believe, and we can argue it right here. I think they got it right, Aaron. Would you say yes or no? I think they got the four right. That was the far I was expecting. Did yes. they get it right? I don't know because I do believe, along with those guys, that Georgia is of course. one of the best teams in the country. I, I do. I mean, if you put Georgia, and this is the same, the same question I had last year and that we all debated was if you put Alabama and you put Ohio State in the same field, who wins that game? Alabama wins. You, no doubt. Everyone knew Alabama, and that's why they got in. They were the best, in the committee's mind, that was the best team. Now, let's go to this season. You put Georgia on the field versus Notre Dame. You put Georgia on the field versus Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. 
if you're the committee member, who wins those games? Georgia. I think I think you can honestly yeah. say Georgia. And they probably said the same games. thing. So if you're last year, you're saying Alabama, who doesn't have the conference championship or the SEC, Ohio State does for their conference. Yep. Only one loss. Yep. But you put them in a neutral site. Who wins the game? Who's the best team? Alabama. And the same thing like right now. Georgia is better than both those teams. And everyone in that room, I guarantee it, in their mind, if you ask them that question, who would win on neutral site between Georgia, Notre Dame, and Georgia and Oklahoma, they would all say Georgia would win. Yeah. So what is the criteria? How do you change from last year to this year is my question. What made last year's any difference? Yes, maybe Alabama lost one game and Georgia lost two. But if your goal is to put the best teams in, put the best teams in. Yes, there's a At lot the of, of great. Day, put the best teams in. Yep. And I, I don't think they did this. This is what I thought they would do. And yep. Nothing against Notre Dame. You know, I like Notre Dame a lot. I think it's a very, very good football team. I think if anything, I would have kept Notre Dame in and put Georgia over Oklahoma. I think I think I think Notre Dame's more deserving, and that's why they are three and Oklahoma's number four. Yep. But and, and I think Kirby and 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 Saban said the best yesterday. Saban says I don't want to play them again. I think he said that. I think he said that because he knew they weren't going to get in, and, and I think that was gamesmanship from Nick Saban. I'm not taking anything no, away from the compliment. No, you don't want to play a team that should have beat you and didn't beat you. You don't want to play them again. Yeah, but you he don't. knew he Georgia wasn't going to have to. He knew he wasn't going to have to. How would a two-loss non-conference champion team get into the playoff? He knew it. That's why he know. said it, and I know he wishes well saying, for though, I'm just saying, though, if you if you are saying I want the best, then put the best in. Yes, so that, yeah. that's all I got to say. Right now, I think Georgia is a top three team in the country. But you know what? They didn't get it done. At the end of the day, they had their opportunities. Like you said, they didn't play well versus LSU. They should have won yesterday. They yep. should have. They should have won that game. They didn't take control. They didn't finish it off. So maybe they don't deserve it. You know, maybe a championship team, a top three team in the country, they know how to win those games. And, yep. and Georgia didn't prove it. You're spot on, Aaron. You're absolutely spot on. Georgia is one of the four best teams in America. They proved it yesterday. They should have won the game. That would have settled the debate, and they would be playing for the national championship, but they didn't. That's why Oklahoma got in. I have no problem with it. I honestly don't. It's what I expected, and I think the committee did their own deal to protect themselves. There is a ton of gray area on how you could define who the best teams are, and it would have flipped everything on its head if they put Georgia in as a two-loss non-conference champion. Now, before I let you go, we need to have a brief argument about Notre Dame. Notre Dame did not play yesterday. They sat and watched at home. Everybody on Notre Dame's team was in their team meeting room today. ESPN was there. Buddy, they mailed it in. They were probably chilling out. They said they had, like, duck confit crepes in their training table celebrating their number three berth into the college football playoff. I think it's a travesty. I think it's a travesty that they didn't play yesterday. I think it's an absolute joke that everybody in the college football world says, oh, the SEC can't have two teams in again, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? The ACC has two teams in, Clemson and Notre Dame. Go look back at the schedules. I laughed out loud, and I tweeted it out. I thought it was an absolute joke when Rob Mullins, who's the chairman of the college football playoff committee, was on TV today after the top four were announced. And he literally cited victories for Notre Dame, Aaron, against Syracuse and Northwestern to validate their case to be in the college football playoff. Now, I know what you're going to say before you even tell me, Aaron. They're undefeated. They are 12-0. They did not 
lose a game, and that's why they should be in. But to that, I tell you this, Aaron, so is UCF. UCF is undefeated. They've been undefeated for two years in a row, and they won their conference championship and played this past weekend again. So what's the difference? What gives? I think Notre Dame should have played yesterday. Obviously, they don't because they're an independent. Look, they're just going to get embarrassed by Clemson. I think that you think Notre Dame has a legitimate chance to beat Clemson. Well, they better. They better. I don't think they have to win the game for Clemson. I think they need to make it close. I mean, if this is 2012 or whatever the national yeah. championship, 2013, when they got blown out the gates by Alabama and it was just an embarrassing national championship to watch. If that's the case, then going forward, it's going to be tough for Notre Dame. You know, going forward in future playoff talks, I think they have to. They have to make this game interesting. They need to make it a fourth quarter, four quarter game just to say, hey, listen, we are a good football team. We're deserving, yada, yada, yada. But I think they're good. Uh, do I think they need to be in a play or in a, in, a, in, a, in a league? Yes, I completely agree. They should just join the ACC, get it over with. Maybe it hurts their NBC contract. I don't know. Whatever. Just get yeah. in the league. It would be great for them. It'd be great for college football. Um, yeah, looking at their schedule, I mean, listen, they've done enough. So, we can keep debating and debating and debating about it, but they're in. I just hope that they somehow they find a way to just make the game competitive versus Clemson. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and you know what's crazy is what's happening with the college football playoff and what's going to continue to happen until something changes, which I don't think anything needs to change, Aaron, is that the conferences are literally looking obsolete. Like, conference championships aren't going to matter. It doesn't matter if you're in a conference or not, obviously. If you look at a team like Notre Dame, hell, the SEC shouldn't even have played the game yesterday. And then you would have had two teams in the top four just chilling there. But who knows? And the best thing about it is we can talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And that's exactly what we're going to do here on the Punt and Pass podcast. we got a ton of time until the end of the month to break it all down. We hope you will continue to join us each and every week to make sure that you're ready to argue, to debate, to talk about the best of college football. So, Aaron, I love you, man. I know you picked against Georgia, but I don't care because you are Georgia. You are Georgia. You picked against Georgia, too. I did, but nobody hears it, so it's all right. (laughs) I just look smart. You have to face the music, baby. So We appreciate you, man. You are the best. Have a great uh, rest of the week. We will talk. We'll pump out another punt and pass on Thursday. Keep everybody updated. Aaron is at AaronMurray11 on Twitter and Instagram. I am at DrewButler13. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. And Aaron, I appreciate you, man. Have a great Sunday night. And Georgia fans, keep your head up. And college football fans, life's good, baby. This is what we all love. So, tune in on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Punt and Pass. See you.